I really like that Stephanie was praying that highlight that the Holy Spirit would, you know, say what he's saying. That I would say what he's saying because there's so many things that are covered. So many things the Holy Spirit's been saying in the last hour during worship. I mean, it's just, oh, it's amazing. I'm like, Lord, I want to remember all that and then and just tie that into what he's saying here by the Spirit. So I'm going to pray, um, get just one more time. Lord, I just pray that you would just do exactly that. Like the things that you want to, you know, highlight even further that um, came out during worship, Lord, that it just would be one continual um, one continual flow of the message of what you're saying and how you are preparing us for your coming kingdom to come into alignment with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So good morning, everyone. So I, um, the last time I, I spoke in the beginning of July, I think it was uh, July 10th, I was just kind of continuing on with um, some things that the Lord has really been talking to me about, which is, um, I'm, I'm finding quite a big topic. There's a lot to talk about in the, in the area of abiding in the love of God. And not, it is so significant that it's not really, it, I think it's something we have to keep revisiting. And, it, and it's highlighted to me, particularly as just some of the, some of the words of, of prophecy and some of the things that are coming out during the response time and during the worship time. The Lord is, is um, inviting us into moving forward with him and in, in, in what that looks like and how to prepare our hearts for just a massive shift of as he is um, changing us and inviting us forward into the establishment of his coming kingdom. And so there's so much that comes with that and so much movement of our heart shedding off the things that are are not of him and moving forward into, into his ways. And this only happens in the context of this abiding relationship with him. Um, If you'll, if you'll start with looking at John 15, 9. And I don't have it in the spot I'm in right now, so I'm going to look it up real quick. John 15, verse 9. In the... Um, in the King James Version, the subheading, which I think is appropriate, says, love and joy perfected. John 15, 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. You know, in fact, I'm, I'm going to go back because I just feel like I want to come back and revisit just some more of this context. I'm going to go to the beginning of John 15, starting at verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Read that part again. (laughs) For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them up and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so that you will be my disciples. And coming back to that verse nine, where love and joy are perfected. As the father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Sorry, I'm going to go two more verses. 
Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. And while we were doing that, my screen timed out. <laughs> Hold on. Maybe when we're done, some technical person can tell me how to refresh my screen <laughs> in an easier way. It doesn't work. So what a... Um, what we've been talking about in the context of this verse is this deep abiding love that the Father has for us. And if we could try to understand a little bit about what was happening and just kind of a little bit of a context for um, what was going on in the, before this verse was being spoken to by the Father. He, if, you, if you can think about... Um, the context there, it was the Last Supper. And it was his last conversation that he was having with his disciples. The very next afternoon, he would be crucified. And so it was really an intense moment in time. It was like the culmination of the three years that he had spent together with his disciples. They, um, he told them multiple times that he was going to die, but they just weren't getting it. And so he knows that they're about to experience the most incredibly traumatic life change beyond what they could imagine. And it's got this last bit of time. He's been preparing them all these times. He's been equipping them and teaching them and living with them and loving them. But it's like, okay, you're about to go. What are, what's the most important thing that I need to communicate to these, these disciples, these brothers that I love and he's having this discourse with them about this is it. This is like, this, this is kind of the summation of what I need you to know. And it has to do with what you're going to need to be able to make it. What you're going to, what the perspective that you're going to need about when, when your mind isn't thinking clearly, when things are racing, um, that this is what I want you to go back to and remember to do. That. What, what happens, what's happening for these disciples after this, after these last instructions that Jesus gives them, they're going to, um, they're going to be going through the incredible grief of seeing the person that they thought was going to usher in the kingdom of God. They had a completely different paradigm of what was going to happen. Remember, the disciples asked him, Lord, are you going to usher in your kingdom now? Because this is, they, they saw him, the revelation of who he was as the Messiah and the king, and, but they had a wrong expectation about how this thing was all going to go down. And so you want to talk about not being prepared for something. If you've got a wrong expectation, you're expecting something completely different. Tom often talks about this is where offense comes from, wrong expectations. And so they're, they're not in any way thinking, my Savior is going to die but he does, like the next afternoon, he's crucified. And so they're dealing with all of the grief of the, their, their whole life has just fallen apart and crumbled. The person that they were looking to, all of their hopes, all of their aspirations, um, all of their the, living in community with the, this person that they loved. I mean, and, and not only has he, he died, he was crucified but they're, they're, they're dealing with all of that grief, but then they're also dealing with the grief of the fact that they're full of shame, the shame that they, they all denied him. They, they were all in hiding. The, they're dealing with the, the um, on, on top of all of that, they're, they're also dealing with the fact that the political authorities that killed Jesus are now after them. They, they're, they're looking to find them and they're looking for all of the people that are part of this Jesus sect, right? And so all of this is happening to them. I mean, we can't even begin to imagine, right? And he knew that there was something that they were going to need 
in order to really keep the right perspective on all of that and all of the things that he taught them over the three years that he lived with them. But he was like, I got to distill this down into what's going to enable them to, to keep moving forward with me, to, to keep being um, my ambassadors, to keep anchored in our relationship to keep focused in on the vision of what the future is, about the fact that he's coming to establish as a kingdom, that he is indeed the Messiah that would come in and rule and reign and usher in that future kingdom. All those things, what, what is going to kind of be the anchoring point for all of that? And that's what it is. It's this in John, this passage in John about abiding in his love. This is what it was going to take. This is what they were going to need to, to walk in. So I'm going to go back and kind of review a little bit just to kind of bring us on the same page of some of the things that we talked about before. God is love. Um, 1 John 4.16 talks about how he is wholehearted love. The, the essence of who he is is wholehearted love. It isn't um, the, the, the trinity, eternity past and eternity future is this relationship between the Godhead where there is, there is 100% equal love from God the Father to God the Son, God to Son, God to the Father, the spirit to the son, the spirit to the father. And that relationship actually extends to us. Because as the father has loved the son, he's also loved us. So that 100% love relationship that's going on in the Godhead, sometimes we want to think, well, that's heaven. That's father, son, and the Holy Spirit. And there's this massive love relationship that's going on between them. And it's amazing. But they're up here and I'm down here. But he's actually saying, no, that's not actually the way it works. I'm, I'm actually loving you. The Father says he loves us with the same intensity that he loves the Son with. The love burning in God's heart has really, we could call it five expressions, and they're kind of interrelated. And I've touched on some of these in the first couple of times, and I'm going to kind of wrap up um, today and then probably uh, one more next next time, which will be a couple weeks from now. But God's love... Um, is for within the God, and like I just described, the other thing is God's love for his people. Um, he loves us with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his mind. And as I said, he loves us with the same intensity that they love within the Trinity. Our love for God is, it's, it's God's very own love imparted for his people by the Spirit. You, you know, when, when we think about... Um, when I think about God's love, for me, I'm not usually thinking about it from the perspective of, okay, he loves me in the same way that he's loving Jesus the Son. But that is exactly what he's saying. Our love for others, we love others in the overflow of experiencing God's love for us. And all of this is related to really looking at staying in this abiding relationship with us. I mean, staying in this abiding relationship, and I'm going to go over that verse in just a little bit. I don't want to get ahead, but which is John 17, 23. So this quality of love, it's, it's like the foundation in the life of God's kingdom. It's, it, in other words, it's like there isn't levels of love. There isn't this level of, okay, I'm accepted in God when I do everything perfectly right, and he 100% loves me in that situation. The truth is, is that he actually loves us the same way now, even in our fallenness, as he does, as he will in heaven. It's not like a, a scale of a sanctification scale of, well, the, 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 the more I grow in um, faithfulness, obedience, the more he loves me. No, the love that he has for us is the same now as it is when we're in heaven. It's just our ability to be in that close proximity, in that relationship that changes. The truth is about this 
I love this idea of the fact that when we look at how he loves us, as he loves Jesus the Son, I think we can all really relate that to the fact that, um, or a way of thinking about it, which I like, is just thinking that I'm God's favorite. You're actually God's favorite. He has a bunch of favorites because he is so in love with us that he's entering into this fellowship, this back and forth, this communion with us. For everybody that wants to be in that communion relationship, everyone that, that enters into this redemptive relationship where we say, you're my father, I'm your child, I, I want to I walk in your ways, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live my life according to your kingdom principles. I'm out of the overflow of my love for God, this is how I, I walk into in a relationship of not perfect obedience, but, but this is what I'm going for. And it isn't because I'm trying to be obedient. I'm trying to do everything right. I'm trying to, because trying would be the operative word, that I, I can't do anything. I can't do anything apart from Jesus' help. But what I can do is I can walk into this place of feeling um, his love for me, his acceptance for me. And the deeper I feel that, the deeper that registers in my heart, the more I'm able to come into this, um, this relationship of wanting to please him, you know, of wanting to obey him, of wanting to be in alignment with him. And sometimes I use this analogy of Lonnie, but I, in my relationship with Lonnie, of course I, I love him, but what happens is the deeper that I feel his love for me, the more I'm actually able to reciprocate with love. The way, that, the way the Bible describes it is that we're only able to love because he first loved us. And so what happens is as I'm in this relationship with Lonnie out of I love him and he loves me, I actually obey him not because um, I, I do it out of obligation or drudgery, but I do it because it's what I want to do to please him because I'm satisfied in that relationship and because um, I, it brings him joy and it brings me joy. And this is what's happening in a relationship with the Father. As we, uh, the Bible talks about, and I'm going to, um, God, I just don't want my screen to pause, <laughs> screen to pause on me for a minute, but um, if we go back to John fifteen nine, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you, verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his. These things I have spoken to you, that your joy may remain in you. My joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. What happens is that when I, as I walk in the love of the Father, I keep his commandments, not because I can, but because he helps me because of that love relationship. And the reason why I think that this is really significant is because I think what happens is that as we're growing in sanctification, we start to feel like, um, all right, I'm really trying to do this thing, but I'm falling short. And I'm really, I've been working on this for a long time, but I keep failing in that area. And he is it's telling us that we, we always will. We're not, we're not going to actually ever be able to arrive apart from his help. We're not ever going to be able to obey correctly without actually letting his love be the fuel that motivates us to be able to do that. And so <clears throat> in order to, to think that we could ever be faithful apart from letting his love fully permeate our hearts um, is impossible. Does that make sense? If you could look at it this way, if I want to be more faithful. You want to be more faithful. The way that we be more, <clears throat> the way that we will be more faithful is abiding in His love, letting His love permeate our hearts, keeping us connected to Him deeply, intimately. And when I hear these prophecies that were talked about this morning, and I think about the fact that he's he the, the gift of prophecy is is our opportunity to respond to that and so when we hear about things that are happening it's we're we're going to have this moment just like the disciples had where their whole world is falling apart where everything is crumbling and they have an opportunity to say what do i what do i do in this situation how am i responding and then coming back to the words of the father saying i i have to abide in his love 
I've got to remember that he loves me with the same intense love that he loves the son. So we can definitely, I, I think it's a great thing to just remind ourselves we're, we're, fa- we're God's favorite because he loves us. This is, if you think about it, this is really like a super, maybe it feels like an oversimplified truth, but it's really one of the deepest truths of the kingdom. Um, when we look at the work that Jesus did on the cross, this redemptive work, the main purpose in that was that he could reestablish this connection that we had to the Father that we could, we could have communion. Um, he wants that relationship. He wanted to get that relationship back. Um, it's, it, you know, obviously this is intertwined in so much of the teaching that Tom has done about he wants to restore what was broken in Eden when we, can, when we picture God walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. There's this fellowship. There's this communion. And so there is this motivation to, you know... T- for, for the redemptive work of the cross, for Jesus to take the payment for our sins so that we could, so that we could not be separated from him, so that we could, you know, you know, not, um, not die apart from the love of the Father, but we could come back into that fellowship with him. And that fellowship with him is, is what motivates us and what motivates the Father for that work that he did on the cross. 1 John 3, 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. I'm just going to pray into that. Holy Spirit, would you let us feel what you see and you feel about the Father's love for us? Lord, would you let us, um, would you let it permeate our hearts Would you let it change us? Would you let it, um, the love that the Father has towards us, strip us away of, strip strip off the the, the pain, the discouragement? Would you let it bring healing into our mind, will, and emotions? Would you you help bring your love into the places that are actually the, the source of why we're angry, why we're fearful, why we're discouraged, why we're frustrated? Lord, would you bring your love like a healing balm into that? Lord, would you increase our, our reality of, of knowing that you're not disinterested, but you're highly interested, and you want us to know and feel your thoughts towards us and that we are your favorite. In Jesus' name. I'm going to read that same verse in John, uh, 1 John 3, 1 in the New Living Translation. I'd like to... Let's go back and forth because it just seems to deepen it for me. See how much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. We know that's true, right? The word says that um, the world will hate us. will be persecuted because the world hated the father first. The world knows, like there is, there's, there's, like the enemy knows. Oh, they're his favorite ones. That's why they're persecuted, right? That's why persecution exists for those that are faithful witnesses to the Lord. Like they're God's favorites and the enemy is going after the offspring of Jesus, Right? We definitely want to study the scripture um, through this paradigm of love. If we can see God as our loving father, and if we can see Jesus as our loving bridegroom, it really shifts the way that we interpret the events that are going on around us. It shifts the way that we interpret the events that he's orchestrating. One of the things we talked about in the other week as we were talking about Psalms 23 is like, he sets a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Who's the one that's setting the table? The Father. The events that he orchestrates for us are the same events that he orchestrated for Israel. They are for for good, not for harm. 
if we can look at the events that he's orchestrating, not from, okay, why doesn't he find somebody else to pick on? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like a breaker. Why do I keep struggling in this one area? And it's like, it's because he loves us. It's because he wants to liberate us, because he wants to set us free, because he wants to keep us connected, because he wants to keep us so desperate in the middle of our frustration and our pain that we're like, I can't do it. I, I give up, Lord. I need your help. And that's exactly where he wants us, because that's where he brings his healing relationship in to restore, to renew. You know, there's a, um, there's a, a, a great book that... Um, I've read a couple of times by Carolyn Leaf, but it's, it's really a neat book where it talks about how um, it, it's really where science is catching up to the Bible, and it actually shows a lot of the scientific evidence about um, how brain activity works. And, um, you know, and like she's, she's done all the bean counting science and where they, they look, really look at how the idea of as a man thinketh in his heart so is he, and how brain the brain can grow and it can change. And I, I see where we look at what the Bible is telling us is the Lord is saying, there's the, the, the world wants to conform you to a way of thinking that is not the way that I think. I want to transform you by the renewing of your mind. And I'm, I'm talking about um, in Corinthians 12, the idea behind that is that he's saying, if you don't stay in this connected relationship with me, if you don't continue to listen to what I say about you, if you don't continue to abide in my word, and then not just my word, but my emotions regarding you and this word that you're reading, um, you won't be transformed. You'll be conformed. But my goal is for you to stay in this connected relationship, to abide in me so that you can be transformed. The science talks about the fact that there is, um, not surprisingly, 21-day periods and sometimes cycles of 21 days of thinking the thought, thinking certain thoughts actually um, tears down wrong thinking patterns and builds the truth of God's word, the right thinking patterns in our mind. Abiding is... is um, it's, it's, it, it's an ongoing relationship. It's, it, we can tell from that word, it's not like a here and there. It's not a sometimes or when I feel like it. It's like it's a constant. It's ongoing. It means stay. It means remain. It means um, not detach from, but stay connected to. And so we have to stay connected to God's thoughts for us. We have to stay connected to the, the truth that we're his favorite. We have to stay connected to the fact that he's saying, I love you. I've got good plans for you. Stay connected to the fact that he's saying, I'm changing you. I'm renewing you. I'm transforming you. He wants us to stay connected to the fact that what, if you will believe the things that I'm saying to you about how you're my precious child, what's going to happen is you, um, you're going to be able to stand. You're going to be able to make it. This is the only way it's going to happen for you. This is the only way that Jesus was able to be faithful to the Father on his time on earth. This is the only way that Jesus was able to, to go to the cross in obedience to the Father because he stayed connected to this reality. As I said, if we can see God as our loving Father and if we can see Jesus as our bridegroom and we abide in that, that love, then what it does is it shifts our interpretation of the events that God is orchestrating. We can believe that in tribulation, he is for us and he is with us. I think about Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the thoughts I have towards you, says not for evil, but to give you a future and a hope. So these guys are exiles. I mean, they're in captivity. They are in Babylon. They've been taken away from their home. I mean, it would be like us like being taken off and carry us off to Russia, and we're in captivity there. And um, he's saying, I got a message to you, message from the Lord. Um, I've got, for I have thoughts towards you. I haven't forgotten you. Um, they're not evil. They're good. <laughs> I actually have a future and a hope for you. 
I have good plans for you. I am orchestrating all things together for your good. And so this is the perspective that he wants to give us. But we will not have this perspective ever just by reading the word or memorizing verses or listening to messages. The only way that it will happen is if we're actually into this understanding, this this connected relationship with the Father where we're actually allowing ourselves to wait in his presence and feel his emotions for us. We abide in it. We come into his word and say, Lord, I really highlight what this means to me. I'm not getting this, but I really want to understand. I want your perspective on things. It's doing what we're doing this morning. It's coming into, we, we come to this, you know, I think about the house of prayer um, 24-7. It's like, that's abiding, isn't it? Because that's what's needed. <clears throat> it's just, it's for there to be no, no separation. The idea is to get back to what happened in the beginning. Genesis, right? Unbroken fellowship with the Father. That's abiding. You can be sustained in anything in that kind of situation. I gave that example last time of Stephen being martyred, right? There he is, and they're stoning him, and he's like, yeah, I've got, you're throwing rocks at me, but I'm, I've been, I've been able to say the things I said to you with confidence and with love because I know I'm God's favorite. I'm in this abiding relationship with him. He's strengthening me. He's sustaining me. He's giving me his perspective. He's helping me to not love my life but love his kingdom. He's helping me to have his emotions for all you people that are trying to kill me. And, and in this connection, I'm seeing through the veil I'm not just seeing the earth here, but I've got vision for the veil on the other side. There I see Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. And so it's like, I'm about to, I'm about to go to the other side. I, I'm, I'm sustained in this abiding place. I'm, not, I'm standing on the rock. I'm not falling down. Um, Malachi 3.6 says, For I am the Lord, I do not change, therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. God is able to be 100% love and 100% mercy and 100% justice all at the same time. That seems crazy, right? Like, I think we have that, we do have this notion of like justice and we think, you know, punishment, you know, bad things. <clears throat> But, but God's justice is his mercy. God's just decisions are always good towards us because he's for us. And so he can operate in all of those th- three paradigms simultaneously. He doesn't have to set his mercy and his love down in order to execute his justice. His justice are actually his mercy and his love at the same time. God doesn't withhold his love when a sincere believer stumbles. When we struggle with sin, he's not holding us. Our our spiritual immaturity is not affecting the way that he feels about us. We're all spiritually immature, right? None of us have arrived. And so what a relief that me being his favorite, you being his favorite, is not based upon your spiritual maturity. We may not always feel his love towards us, our emotions are going up and down. The enemy, the accuser of the brethren, is there day and night casting accusations against us. But the answer that he says to us is, no one who puts their trust in me will ever be put to shame. I think Psalms 25.1. So um, we, can't, we can't always trust our feelings, but we can trust him. We can trust what he said because he said, You're my favorite. In fact, I love you with the same love that I love the Son. The same love that exists within the Godhead between Father, the Son, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the Father. That is the same way I feel about you. A couple weeks ago, I think back in June, I I had this picture in my mind that I shared. It's like, picture the Godhead in a circle. God, the Father, God, the Son, the Holy Spirit are all holding hands, and they're inviting us to come into the circle. Come on in. Because the same love that's flowing in here is the same love that's available to you if you choose it. 
if you participate in, if you agree with this redemptive plan, you're, you're invited to come into the relationship. You can't come into it in rebellion. You can't come into it and say, hey, I'm, like, he's, he loves us. There's a difference between, like, he, he, his love that he died for the whole world for their sins is, is meaning that, like, he made the sacrifice for us, but there, there is a, in the redemptive plan, there is a, a response that is required on our part. We, we have to want that. He's always going to love us and hold our hand, but we can let his hand go. We can choose to, to not cooperate with that, but it's never going to be because he failed us or he didn't extend himself to us. It will be because we declined him. God never changes. His feelings are not going up and down. <laughs> he is inviting us into the relationship with us because he wants it, because he enjoys it, because he likes being with us. He wants, to, he wants to hang out with us. He wanted to hang out with Adam and Eve, but Adam, Adam and Eve short, shortcutted that process. He enjoys this relationship with us. He doesn't love us less here on earth than he'll love us in heaven. His love is always going to be the same. And as I said, he doesn't love us less now, and then he's going to love us more when we're more spiritually mature. And that would be important. Like, and by the way, I can say this, and we're like, yeah, that, yeah, I get it. But the thing is, is that sometimes we have these deep-rooted things that are, that are wrong that we have to, like, break out the ideas of. And this is one of them, because why do we strive? Could we possibly be striving because there's a part of us that thinks, um, because in our earthly flesh, we're, our context is relationships of, well, if I perform in a certain way, I get loved more. But that isn't the way that Jesus operates. So if we bring that error, that erroneous human thinking into the, and, and put that thought process on a relationship with the Lord, that, that's going to mess us up because he's saying, no, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And in fact, what, it corrupts the relationship because the, his love for us is not going to be based upon us trying to get it right. Or no, I mean, we, we, the desire is for us to become perfected in him, but not to glorify him, for the world to see and for him to be magnified, but not because, well, then I'm going to get the full acceptance and love of the Father. That's not the way it works. And again, we're like, yeah, I know that. We do know it here, <laughs> but we don't know it here. Because if we did, we wouldn't have fear, and we wouldn't have anxiety, and we wouldn't be angry, and we wouldn't be worried, and we wouldn't be offended, Right? Those are all just indications that we're not, we don't, we don't have it in its fullness. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. A good indication that we know that we are abiding in him. So let's say if we're trying to measure this is, and I know we talk about this all the time, but just to remind us, we could tell that this is, the connection is not severed and that it's good. Like, think about the internet connection, right? How do we know if the internet connection is good? It's fast, right? And it's like, you're like, yeah, this is great. I'm just streaming along. When it's not good, what, what does that feel like? Slow. You're disconnected. You're not getting information. You know, uh, it's, it, it, it's very frustrating, well, when we think about our relationship with the Lord, when we're connected to him, the fast is, is the fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If we feel that we're, we're disconnected from those realities, I can know right away I'm disconnected from the Father. I'm feeling anxious. I'm disconnected from the Father. Why, why am I downcast on my soul? I'm disconnected from the Father. Why am I angry? What am I angry about? It's a secondary emotion. It's related to something else that I'm wrestling with. I'm not trusting in the Lord in that thing. It's a good indication. Do I have the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control? If I'm feeling the other things, what does that mean? Bad service. <laughs> Disconnected from the Father. All right? So when we're connected, we experience God's love. We feel his joy. There's a deep sense of well-being. It's a confidence that we're being held by our loving Father. 
Coming back to that John 15, 9, verse 9 through 11. As the Father loved me, I've also loved you, right? Mind-blowing to understand. Lord, help us to understand it. Abide in my love. Stay in it. Don't disconnect from me. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Well, how am I going to keep his commandments? I do a lousy job. You have to abide in his love because you can't keep his commandments. And you can't have the fruit of the Spirit unless you abide in his love, right? Just as, if I, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, abide in my love. And look at verse 11. These things I have spoken to you. What are the things that he spoke to us? It's verse 9. These are the things he's spoken to us. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. What are we supposed to do? Abide in his love. Stay connected. How many of you feel more connected when you come here more? Or do you feel the disconnection when you get disconnected from here? We spend time with the Lord, you know, individually. He wants, to, he wants constant connection to us, but he's actually, there's a corporate reality that he's inviting us to where we, full, we feel the fullness expression of his love because we were meant, God's government is a community where we're all worshiping him together. And in the community context, we're actually seeing more of him. We talked about this before. Like, there's aspects of the Father I haven't seen yet, but as I'm in fellowship with other believers, they're seeing a different dimension that I haven't seen. We just had that happen this morning. Did you notice that? Different people are coming up here. They're sharing different things, different expressions. We're, we're growing in a deeper connection to the Father and an understanding of who he is. The deeper we understand who he is, um, you know, the more we love him, we're like, whoa, I just saw a new something from you about you, Lord, that I didn't know before. And we're like, ah, oh, and we want to worship him even more. And then the more we worship, the more he's like, I'm going to show you something else. Check this out. And he reveals more of himself to us. And we're like, oh, <laughs> you know, and the cycle of back and forth just keeps coming and continuing. Like part of this invitation to abide is a personal reality but a big part of it is a corporate reality. This is why the Bible, in the word he said, don't give up the gathering, don't give up the meeting of one another, gathering together, right? As is the custom of some. Because that's going to seem logical right now is to disconnect. Because the, we're, we're getting attacked. The enemy is attacking like the waters are rising. And, um, you know, things are coming around us. And, you know, there is this sense of like, oh my gosh, I, I just, I need to check out or just get a grip. And I, I just, I, you know, this is often sometimes our response when we're in this situation, we, we want to isolate. But he's saying, no, I don't want you to isolate. You've got to come together and commune in the body. And this is what we're doing here. It's, it's super, super important. Did you notice what Jesus wanted the disciples to do after he ascended? What did he tell them to do? He told them to go somewhere right? Go to Jerusalem, and what do you tell them to do? Wait. Tear for power on high. Wait in the upper room. Come together. Commune together. Pray together. What do you think they were doing with the Lord? Abiding. They were abiding in him. Super close. Abiding. Very intentional. Abiding. Coming here takes intention. Being in the presence of the Father takes intention. Agreeing with the thoughts that he says about us takes intention, takes being very deliberate. It doesn't happen accidentally. You have to go after it, but he will help you. He will help me. He helps us, doesn't he? We're going to do it clumsily, and we're going to fall, and we're going to fail, and we're going to be like, oh, I can't do this. He's like... Yes, you can. Keep asking, seeking, and knocking. I'm going to help you. He spoke these things to us because he wanted our, his joy to remain in us. Verse 11, these things I've spoken to you, abide in my love, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. The joy of the Spirit is rooted in the depth of how the Father loves the Son. And the joy for us is rooted in the depth of how the Father loves us. It's not an experiential, I'm, I'm happy, I'm joyful. 
No, it's, it's joyful and known. If you read, you know, read about martyrs, like what kind of joy is that? <laughs> That's the joy that the Father is loving them and holding them. I'm not going to get through all of this. I just I want to touch on one thing, and I'm and maybe I'll just touch on it more next time. But um, and that is, um, I was thinking about this relationship about how um, how we glorify the Father. In let me read this verse here: John seventeen twenty two through twenty four. John seventeen twenty two through twenty four, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and I have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. You loved me before the foundation of the world. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. There's a time that then and now unbelievers are going to see that God, um, that we are the ones that the Father loves. Verse 24 is like such an affectionate cry of the Father. Father, I desire. This is Jesus talking to the Father before he was crucified. Father, I desire, this is what I'm asking for, God. I've spent three years with these guys. I love these guys. I desire that um, also whom you gave me may be with me. I, don't, I'm, I know you got to do, we have to do this thing, and I know I'm going to come back with you, but I, I want them to be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you gave me. For you love me before the foundation of the world. I want them to be near me. I want them to be close to me. I want them to see the full spectrum of who I am. They've only seen part of it here for me on earth. But I want them to be with me and see the fullness of who I am. When you think about the verses about us reflecting the Lord's glory, um, the, the fuller we understand him and we let him change us, the more we're like mini-me's. <laughs> you know, we're... we're, we're we're reflections of him. So it's like a mirror that the world can see him shining through us. And I feel like the Holy Spirit was highlighting this to me, which I thought was so incredible to think about the fact that here we are, the Bible, Paul talks about in the Bible, multiple different places in the New Testament about the mystery of Christ. And like the mystery being that the Jews were the chosen people of God. He was, they were the ones that Jesus, uh, that God chose to be his ambassadors, to be, to reflect him to a earth that was lost, to reflect that this is the way of salvation, to reflect a dim picture of, of a kingdom that was going to come, that was going to rule and reign in the future, and that they were invited to it. He, he meant for them to be a house of prayer for all nations. And so they were meant to be this. But most of the Jewish people didn't denied him, right? Some of them accepted him, but just a fraction of them accepted him. Most of them denied him. And then we can see in Romans 11:11 um, 11, 11 that the, the Gentiles were grafted in. So what he did was he extended the, relate, the people that he chose, denied him. But because of their unbelief, there was, there was an opening for Gentiles, to, to come into the same saving relationship. And we know this is, you know, what the New Testament is talking about. We're coming into that. And so I, I, I thought, isn't it interesting how the ones that, she, that God chose to be his chosen people, they, only a fraction of them chose it. Um, and so he's like, I'm going to open this up to the Gentiles. And then the Gentiles who come into that relationship and do what Jesus invited his people to do, which is to abide in him to be in this relationship with him, to reflect him, to let his love come into them, change and then they overflow with that love all around them as a witness of Jesus. But that, that witness, as we talk about, isn't just for other Gentiles, but that witness is for the Jewish people. That witness is for those that a veil has covered their eyes and so they don't see Jesus as their Messiah. 
but they will never be able to see that, nor will other people be able to see this, have the spiritual jealousy, unless we are so full of this abiding relationship with the Lord that they have something to be jealous of. Does that make sense? I was trying to think of an example of this, like, when we think of jealousy, we often think of, like, infidelity or things like that. But I was thinking, look at it from a perspective of a relationship where you've got two two children, like you've got a parent, and the parent has a natural child, and then they have an adopted child. And then the natural child is just kind of like, they've grown entitled, they've grown indifferent, they've grown into like, um, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm the father of a rich kid, and, you know, I'm privileged, and I've got all these things, and they kind of like, you know, they're like, it's all about what I'm, who I am and what I'm receiving, but not about the intimate relationship. But then the father adopts Somebody that had nothing, you know, they came from an orphanage, they were rejected, you know, they had no inheritance, they were in complete poverty and obscurity. And then that child comes in and that's, that child is like, I'm so grateful. And that child is, starts to develop this beautiful relationship with the same father as the privileged entitled one, you know, and then, and I don't mean, I don't mean to, yeah, well, let me finish my analogy. So what happens is that, that in this example that I'm giving, that child that's in that beautiful, flourishing, cultivated relationship where there's a back and forth and exchange going on that is bringing healing to that, to that orphan, but also bringing joy to the father, that is a model of, of this beautiful abiding relationship that is meant to not only be a beautiful in and of itself, but, but it, it's more than that. It, it's an expression to the other child and to other orphans that there's something that's here that is available. That's spiritual jealousy. And we want to be that for the other people around so that they know what's available, Jew and Gentile. And we can't be that if we're not walking in the fullness of this connected relationship. And we also, frankly, won't make it. Because we won't. That's why I want to talk about it, because it's like, we're coming in the most intense time that history will ever see. And we're not going to make it if we're not connected. That's why I got to talk about it more than one week. Does that make sense? <laughs> so I'm going to end on that. Lord Jesus, oh, we are so desperate for you. And yet we're not desperate enough. <laughs> but we want to be. Lord, would you help us to see our need? It's like the first step. You told us to recognize our spiritual poverty. We are broke, Lord. We're spiritually broke and we need you. We need your son. The love of of your son, the love from the spirit, the love from your father. We, we want um, to open ourselves to receive it. Would you help us, Lord Jesus? Would you show us what's hindering that? Would you take us in deeper? Would you fill our lamps with the oil of what this abiding relationship produces? Would you let our time in your presence, corporately and individually, transform our mind, will, and emotions? Would you increase our dependence on you? Lord, would you highlight all the ways that we try to do things apart from you, where we, get, where we think we're so capable, where we're walking our own leadership, where we, we're so independent when you told us to be dependent on you? We're sorry, God. We're sorry. We want to come before you and tell you we want to mourn our spiritual poverty. We want to mourn the areas that, as you highlight, would you highlight right now, Lord Jesus, in this body, the things that are hindering this deeper connection, the things that are hindering us from um, experiencing more of your transforming love. We need you, Lord. We're desperate for you. In Jesus' name, amen.